Hello and welcome to Crystal Queer, the radio podcast show hosted by me, Ali, brought to you by YDN Radio Brighton and sponsored by Scene Magazine Brighton, the only free-to-read LGBTQ plus magazine in the UK. Once again, my name is Ali. I am the head of social media and content creator at YDN Radio Brighton. And today I am joined by an amazing guest host. Uh, please introduce yourself, your pronouns, and a little fun fact about yourself. Hey, what's up? My name's Judas. I use he, him. My fun fact would be, I'm really into like old movies, like 50s and 60s. That's a pretty good, I would like, honestly, is it like, do you mean like black and white movies as well, or just old movies in general? Well, all of them. Ah, I like, I, I try to get into them and then I zone out. <laughs> like, I really wish I could get into them because I, I'm so jealous of people that just get into it so well. But um, another fun, little fun fact here for Crystal Queer is the fact that you're all the way in New Zealand. We have very wild time zones here, differences over here. You're eight hours ahead of me, which is insane. Also, another thing that I want to say, Judas, I have so many of my favorite songs have the name Judas in them. Brilliant. From is one of them that lady one? Yeah, yeah, go on. I hate that song so much. <laughs> Do like, you it's like my least... <laughs> yes, it's like my least favorite Gaga song, just because she says my name over and over. Oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. Also, Banks. <laughs> Banks is a really good song called Judas as well, which is uh, right. Like, that, that one's a bop, but Gaga's is not it. It's not the best one, but it's a good song. <laughs> Right, so let's just get started. Today we are going to be talking about transgender, being transgender, transgender life, music, all of that sort of stuff, all the umbrella terms and stuff that go with being trans. So let's just start from the beginning. What would you kind of identify transgender to mean? What do you think it encompasses? Um, so transgender to me means you don't identify as the gender you're given at birth, mm -hmm. um, which encompasses like binary trans people, gender fluid people. And I think a lot of non-binary people, but not all of them, because I know some of them just don't like the concept of gender at all, so. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I just, <laughs> I literally zoned out for a second because I'm that exhausted, sorry. <laughs> really but, I will also just, this is a side note, I'm going to cut this out, but my Wi-Fi is a bit dodgy as well, so I might, like, respond a bit later points, so I'm not. Oh, that's fine, here. but, like, yeah. like, I, like, I was just, like, frozen or scared. No, no, it just, it happens. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I think a lot of people as well, um, kind of, myself included, I had a, a week, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about non-binary people, and I did a Q&A kind of interview section with someone and it was the first time that they brought about asking whether I identify as transgender because I um, go with he they pronouns and I do identify as genderqueer and it was the first time for me that I kind of put the two puzzle pieces together the trans and um, being non-binary or being genderqueer or gender fluid kind of are terms that can go together not always obviously but they can go together it was the first time that I came across that and it's interesting that you mentioned it in your definition because I think that's definitely something that a lot of people don't really think about or they don't really notice necessarily. Um, but do you, do you feel like the media kind of portrays transgender people properly yet or do you think that there's still a lot of mistakes and little things that they could probably fix up a little bit? Um, 
To be honest, I don't really like go out of my way to watch things with trans people in them. But from what I've seen, they a lot of them conflate being transgender to like your looks and surgery and stuff, mm-hmm. which I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's cool. That being their whole storyline type of thing, I think is cringe. Yeah, that I completely understand that. I think it's it's a. Uh it's almost like spotlighting something um, that, you know, if you want it to be treated as normal, then you shouldn't have to be like, oh, look, this is a trans person. They're going through surgery right now. Like, it's kind of like making it the odd one out little situation. Um, But that also brings me into, in in the discussion of movies, what do you feel like um, when you see a cisgendered actor playing a trans person? Do you find that okay? Do you find that offensive? What, What kind of reaction do you have to that? I think it de- depends on the movie. Like, I feel like if you're, if it's like a biopic, I don't really mind a non-trans mm-hmm. person playing it only because I feel like you should keep as true to the person as possible. And mm-hmm. if, because being trans to me is not a big deal. It's mm-hmm. just like who you are. So mm-hmm. yeah, one hundred percent. And I think like but if it's like, yeah, yeah, go on. If it's like about being trans, then obviously a trans person person should play it. And probably should be written by trans people stuff like that yeah that's that's exactly what i think as well i think if it's going to be a trans story told i think it can be a bit not that it's necessarily always problematic or if it's wrong but it's just that a cisgendered person writing it could probably not get the full gist of things and get the full story out where if a trans writer trans actor or whatever um were to produce no, that like a I watched like a movie the other day called mm-hmm. adam and it was like directed by a trans person but mm-hmm. uh this people wrote it and it was like super super cringe it was like this girl who pretended to be a man and they like and her friends and stuff called her trans it was really cringe that's yeah that's a what movie was that adam oh i might have to check that out that's interesting i didn't that's that's quite interesting that it's directed by a trans person but it's written by cis people it's a bit of a odd one there <laughs> um yeah no, but in in that same context, how do you, I don't know if you are a Drag Race viewer, do you watch Drag Race in general? Yep. Okay. Um, perfect. That helps me out so much, honestly. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you feel about the fact that we, you know, have only just had the first openly trans person beyond the show with Got Meg and it taking it so long for it to happen? Do you feel like this should have been happening a while back? You mean like a, a trans man? Because there's like Peppermint and... There has been, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like from the get-go being casted as a trans man on the oh, show. Yeah. yeah. I think it, yeah, it, took, it definitely took a while, especially I know like so many trans drag queens. Mm-hmm. There's actually like a huge percentage of people who do that. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's weird, but also based on what RuPaul said before, I'm not shocked. It, yeah, it's... It is, it's, I think it's most so, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's disappointing that someone with as big of a platform like RuPaul would say the things that he has in the past and probably still believes them. There hasn't been an update um, about casting people on the show. And it's like, it's always just been about drag. It's never been about the gender. It's never been about the social inklings to it. But hey, if things are happening... The social commentary brought up as an excuse, I think, is just like a, you can choose to make a statement with it. You don't mm-hmm. have to. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is very true. You, you, that is, yeah, that's something that I didn't think about. It is completely your choice whether you want to say something or not. And in some cases, it's better not to say anything than to say it. So, you know, a certain someone should have taken that advice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's this one kind of narrative um, about the whole, you know, trans umbrella, whether it is non-binary, whether it's trans people, that bothers me a lot. I don't know how you feel about it, but what do you think about the whole discussion of you have to have surgery done in order to really be trans? Obviously, I think it's dumb because that in itself is conflating gender and sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think and a I lot of people, how, yeah. I think, like, I know how difficult it is to try and get surgery anyway so mm -hmm. to expect someone to do that to just validate themselves is shit definitely definitely i think um there is this whole social commentary that we have or social um interaction where we, you see someone in the street or something and they tell you that they are trans or they're non-binary like oh but you don't look that way or you don't sound that way and it's like but that's why has that kind of become the societal expectation like that you have to sound a certain way in order to present as a certain gender and it's that's that's very problematic especially like you said surgery is not something that is necessarily afford um affordable for a lot of people it is expensive and it's a huge mental strain and it's not you know always viable for a lot of people so it is extremely problematic for people to want to assume or see something in order to believe it quote unquote um but that brings me to kind of trans role models or people in general that are allies to the trans community or are trans themselves do you have any people of the community or once again allies that you look up to or um have helped you with your experience like honestly no because a lot of them i don't know they come from like quite privileged backgrounds which i don't really relate to and mm -hmm. a lot of them i don't relate to them just based on their personality so mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Um, that's a good question. You know, it's quite, it's quite difficult because I think exactly what you said in terms of privilege and the background that they have is a very big discussion. I completely agree with you on that. I think it's so hard to see someone and be like, yeah, that's me, especially for myself, being a person of color and coming from the background that I mm. come from. I don't see much of that. Like I spoke about it last week, Jackie Cox being on Drag Race, for example, was one of the first, if not the first time that I saw myself properly on TV, an openly gay Iranian man. And um, it is very difficult. And then there's people like Caitlyn Jenner, for example, who ruin it so much for trans people that are so desperately trying to normalize themselves in the community. And then there's people like her and it's just, it's difficult. It's exactly like you said, it's hard to find representation when there's so much privilege in that notion. And I guess like one of the people that I can say, um, their name is Alok. I can't properly pronounce their last name, so I'm not going to butcher it. Um, but they are a non-binary, non-conformist, um, brown gender non-binary activist. And they don't have a huge following. They have a growing platform and they have a very loud voice. But it's interesting because it's always the ones that don't have the biggest privilege to have the smaller platforms when they kind of have the bigger voices. But that's a discussion that, you know, is for another time and goes more into racial discussions. Um, but to be promoted commercially, you need to kind of, you can't really have a big voice usually. So in general. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's it's so unfortunate, but that's that's exactly it. Um, now I know that you are because obviously we follow each other on Twitter, so I know a lot of your musical likings. You know my musical likings, um, but I am curious to know if there's any trans artists that you're familiar with, or um, not necessarily that you enjoy listening to or that you listen to all the time, but any that you are familiar with in general. Familiar with? I only know like Compatris. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being <laughs> No, like I mean, in terms, of like, in terms of like mainstream mm-hmm. artists. And then the one that I like listening to is Mickey Blanco. She's like mm-hmm. an, she's like an indie rapper mm-hmm. and she's like super comfortable in her masculine body, which I appreciate. I mm-hmm. think it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, both of those are actually great examples, especially Kim having a massive, massive uh, mainstream following. It is, it's great to see her literally because i think one thing that i really like about her is her tweets are so unapologetically herself and she talks about her experience being trans whether it's like um as a meme or some sort of like comedic take on it is is so great because it just makes it so normal something that oh you don't have to be scared you can laugh at this it's all right it's just a joke um i appreciate that so much but it is it's a shame that like like you said you've there's not so many big mainstream names out there um you know, obviously there was Sophie who recently passed away, which is still so heartbreaking. And I think she was such a big name for the trans community, probably arguably the biggest name, I want to say, um, in terms of the music industry. And, you know, having a Grammy nominated album and producing for so many people like Kanye West and um, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, there's Mickey Blanco, like you said, was another great example. And yeah, I want to I wanna move on from there to other music that has helped you kind of come into terms with your identity. Um, I know you're a huge Lady Gaga fan, and I'm assuming that has a bit of a part in it. So take it away. You can tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I got into like Lady Gaga last year. And I think I, I, think I was kind of looking for music that I related to more in terms of being trans because all my music tastes is like hip hop especially like 90s hip hop, which is probably the most anti-trans music you can listen to. Mm. <laughs> like, that's what I was, that's what I think relates to other things as well. Cause a lot of like disenfranchised people mm-hmm. rap and make hip hop music. And then a lot of people who are like a super queer and trans friendly are privileged, like we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think there's like a huge conflict of conflict of interest in music that I listen to. Because I was never like that one person. Yeah, yeah. I think um, one of the biggest reasons why I was so interested to have a conversation about being trans with you in particular was um, the fact that you listen to so many different types of music, including your big love for hip hop. Because like you said, it is quote unquote the most anti-trans music. But I think that's what makes it so interesting because people, I think, seeing or knowing that someone is trans, they probably have an expectation of what they listen to, what they like, or what they watch. And someone might not expect that you might be a fan of hip hop because you are trans. And now it's time for a little bit of music. Today, I am going to be playing music from a Brighton-based artist named Care. He is a brand new artist and I'm obsessed with him. I really am. He released his debut single, uh, Kitchen Floor, that I have played 
too many times for my own good, honestly. And he's got a new song that I'm going to be playing for you guys today, and you should be checking out because, yeah, you should be checking it out. If you're not, come on, catch up. <laughs> um, this is Direct Bus Ride to the Moon by Hair. Moving down below us, and the horse crash too. Oh, that's a bonus. Where do I end and never begins? The wind, I'm sure that it can hear us, and the world keeps falling out of focus. How are we meant to be? I'm not joking when I say that that song is probably one of my favorite releases of 2021 so far. So great fucking job, Care. Um, and on that note, let's go back to Crystal Queer. But it goes back to like a lot of representation being white-centric, though, because like every 
black gay and trans person I know listens to hip hop because it's like mm -hmm. where their race gets represented the most. That's like, that's completely new to me. And that's exactly why I love doing this with you because I feel like you are teaching me something new about it that I didn't realize because hypocritically enough, I was one of those people that was like, oh, if someone is a part of the LGBTQ plus community um, in whatever umbrella term that they are in, oh, I, they must be like fans of this artist or they might be listening to that artist and stuff. And it's incredibly hypocritical of someone, including myself, to listen to that, um, to believe that. And I think it's really cool to talk to different people of the communities, especially the trans community, to um, realize that it's just not like that. It's, it's an incredibly stereotypical view to have, and it's just not truthful to those people. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about um, your experience um, with your identity. Um, do you mind me asking um, when you kind of start to realize that you were not meant to be the gender that you were assigned up? Like literally from like my earliest memories, I remember, I would literally, whenever I drew myself, I would draw myself as like a boy or what mm -hmm. a boy looked like, mm -hmm. or like dress that way, or I don't know, just fit in with boys more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, those are my memories. Yeah. So it, 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 I do, I do, I think it's really interesting that um, people grow up like, already knowing who they are, but it takes so long for that person potentially. I mean, obviously this isn't um, to you. This could be, it's a general, uh, what'd you call it? General perspective. But I think for a lot of people, like they grow up knowing exactly who they are, but it kind of, it's a thought that gets pushed to the back of their mind and um, they know who they are, but it takes so long to grow into who they are, if that makes sense. Um, oh, for sure denial about it for forever I was just like I'm a tomboy <laughs> but like yeah I feel like I stopped being in denial when I was like 15 or something mm -hmm. because I just couldn't push it down anymore I was like really taking a toll on me mm -hmm. and my health so. mm -hmm. yeah I think especially in the teenage years is when for queer people in general it's when it, things just become a bit too heavy um to kind of push back anymore. I was the same exact age as you when I um, realized that I cannot be pushing my sexuality back anymore. Like, it's just not something that I can ignore. It is there and I've either got to live with it or accept it or love myself for whoever I am. And um, I think it's so important to kind of watch your kids as they grow up from a very young age and see what they're into, see what they kind of experiment with and see what they are attracted to and not push that back. And that goes to parents, it goes to friends, it goes to anyone around you to kind of, yeah, see that side of you, whatever that side is and let it just naturally blossom and not have to be pushed back. And that would save so much, so much hassle for people of the queer community that struggle with having that environment. Um, myself being one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to talk about um, music a little bit more because I just love talking about music and I know you love talking about music. <laughs> but I, I want to talk a little bit about your music taste just in general, not even connecting it to um, being trans or any, any identity like that. I know you're a huge Lana Del Rey fan. Talk to me about that a little bit. When did you fall in love with her? Uh... Honestly, it's kind of hard to tell when I like really started liking her. I just really like Honeymoon and Ultraviolence. Mm -hmm. 
good albums. And then I'm, I'm so glad you like Honeymoon because it's so underrated. <laughs> right. I get. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's. I think I just. I like. I like her songwriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, like a lot of people like her aesthetic, but that's not really my taste, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's completely fair. I think. Um, yeah, I think there's something about her songwriting that is so honest that, like, she's got fans from literally every sort of community and every sort of person ever. Like, literally everyone can like Lana Del Rey, and I think that's so. That's what makes her songwriting so special. It literally is universal. Um, but I assume that you you must love the fact that she obviously has her own hip hop inspirations, and she's got collabs with hip hop artists. That must be something that's super cool to you to listen to. I mean, uh, Summer Bummer is one of my favorite Lana Del Rey songs. And I think it's also criminally underrated in the Lana fandom. And I don't know why, but do you agree with that? <laughs> yes, you're, yes, taste, taste. I love Summer Bummer, groupie love. Like those two are like top tier, probably my favorite. Absolutely. Like Summer Bummer is way underrated, but I don't, know, I don't know why. I think it's just like the genre is not something that her fans are used to. Yeah, yeah, I think it, that I mean, goes for their. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hip hop, but it's like more like trap than. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's like it's more. It's like a. It's not lo-fi. It's like trap. Trap pop. <laughs> is that a word? Trap hop? Maybe I don't know. Pretty new uh-huh. genres here, um, but. I saw that there was a recent rumor going around that I saw you were freaking out about. I think it was something about Lana having a possible collab with, was it Travis Scott on the new album? Um, Rocky. ASAP Rocky, Rocky. yes. Not Travis. Yes, I love it. ASAP Rocky, my favorite. So like when I saw that they could be having another collab, I was freaking out. I love them both so much. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not, you know, it's funny because I personally like hip hop just isn't necessarily my taste or I go to for that um, to listen to. I mean, I do listen to them, but me being completely stereotypically uh, homosexual, I go to like Nicki Minaj and um, Megan Thee Stallion and Doja Cat and the women in hip hop because that's just the gay I am. (laughs) Um, But something about Lana doing hip-hop collapse just sits right with me um or something about just female artists in general doing hip-hop collapse just works for me really well like I want to ask you an interesting opinion because I know a lot not a lot of people like this one song in particular I want to know what you think um Lady Gaga Art Pop what's the song called uh Jewels and Drugs how do you feel about the song honestly I was like it's kind of chaotic. Mm-hmm. I like all the artists on it, so I like the song, but also I understand why people hate it. What do you What do you think? You know what? It's a guilty pleasure. I'm not gonna lie. Like I see, I go on my Twitter every day, and someone's like, "Jewels and Drugs were a song on our pop." I'm like, "Is it really?" Like, there's so many songs on that album that I could be like, "What do you What do you think is worse?" I'm actually, I'm literally on my Spotify right now, opening the album to see which one I think. I think my least favorite on the album. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Manicure. I hate uh, Manicure. Yeah. I, my skip. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Manicure. Neither am I huge. Like, fashion's all right, but I could do without it. Um, yeah, those well, are two. Well, I, 
well, I am produced fashion. And he's like, I hate when he produces female pop for some reason. He's like really bad at it. <laughs> it's funny because like, um, I don't know if he, did he produce, um, what'd you call it? Did he produce Scream and Shout with Britney Spears? I'm not sure if he did or not. Yeah. Uh, did he? He did the whole female album too. Oh, did he? I had new facts for me. Didn't and know that. like, I think some of Britney Jean oh. was the other way around. That's that's actually quite interesting because I had no idea about that. But um, yeah, now that you mentioned that, I, I'm like thinking back at it. I think Scream, Scream and Shout is like literally the one song that he might have produced for female artists that I'm kind of like, oh yeah, that, that slaps. But um, I am curious to know what is your least favorite songs in our pop besides obviously um, Manicure. Manicure. Obviously, do what you want is like sus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we don't talk about that. <laughs> I really like art pop though, so I don't really have any least favorite. Is art pop manage- your favorite Gaga album? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd say it's. I'd say if I had to say my favorites, I'd say art pop and Joanne are tied for my favorite. I know Joanne's not a huge favorite in the fandom, but I'd love Joanne. Um, I love Joanne too. It's like so many bobs. Yeah, I feel like it was also so needed for her career at the time. Like beside, you know, just. A little a little chill out session get a little country get a little rocky well not rocky but you know what i mean pop rock i guess um and then go back to chromatica <laughs> which you know what chromatica is an interesting subject and i'm scared to get into because if any go i know so basically my um my spotify stats for people that listen to the show um my most listened to artist from my audience is gaga so I'm terrified to say anything about her <laughs> because the problem with it is like, it's a definitely like a go out and listen to album. But since we all had quarantine, we're just like sitting down and listening to it properly. I agree. Which makes it, because it's, it's like basic, it's like dance music, not just just sit down and listen to it, pop your head. Completely agree with that. Like every time I've gone out with my housemates or just have a night out or like, I don't know, drinking in the house or going for a drive, whatever. I've played a couple songs off Chromatica and it's absolutely been the best experience of my life. But then I can't necessarily just sit down and like do my work and put in, I don't know, fucking Alice in my head. I used, to, I used to hate Stupid Love until I heard it like when I was out and then it slipped. Yeah, same. I would. I absolutely did not get Stupid Love. And I think when Stupid Love came out, I was like, what is this album going to be? This is going to be a wreck. And then... I listened to the album and I was like, oh, well, this, this actually slaps. I take it back. Um, still not the biggest fan of, of Stupid Love, but not a bad song. It's, maybe she did something. Maybe maybe she did something there. <laughs> um, right. So that's about it for me. I want to know if there's anything that you want to mention, anything that I have left out that you want to say at all? No, I'm good. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Um, thank you so much, Judas, for coming on to um, give me your perspective on being trans and what trans means. And you've definitely I've mentioned, but you've told me and taught me a lot of things that I didn't know and I didn't acknowledge and I do now. So I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about it. Um, and thank of you guys. For having- yeah, thank you. Um, And thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Crystal Queer, and I will see you next Friday.